Hello, and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday, the 5th of August. This is David, and your other readers are Susan, John, and Catherine. The editor this week is Mark, all our members of Team 5. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamstead and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless it says otherwise. This week's headlines. A good boy. Masters are in the swim and residents invited for first look at the new crematorium. These and other stories follow. Here is the news. Hello, this is Susan. The longest-serving fire investigation dog in the UK has retired in Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire's Fire and Rescue Service is waving goodbye to Rex, who retired last week. Rex, a black Labrador, has been a valuable asset to the firefighters due to his impeccable sense of smell to detect accelerants like petrol, the emergency service states. He's been sent to fire scenes in Hertfordshire and the wider eastern and southeastern regions for almost 11 years, making him Britain's longest-serving fire investigation dog. He has attended around 500 incidents since joining the Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service in 2012 as a one-year-old. Together with fire investigators like his handler, Watch Commander Nicky Harvey, He's provided crucial evidence in high-profile investigations, including for arson and murder, resulting in over 250 years of imprisonment for convicted offenders, the service estimates. Nicky said, We're called to the scenes of any serious fire that crews believe to be deliberate or suspicious, or where the cause is not immediately known, especially if there's been a fatality at the scene. Rex gets involved as soon as it's safe. I'll go through the scene first to check that it's been properly cooled down with no visible sign of smoke or embers and that there aren't any hazards that could harm him. Then he gets to work using his best tool, his nose, to locate any potential accelerants like petrol that might have been used to deliberately start a fire. That's when the human fire investigators like myself can take a closer look while Rex enjoys a reward, his favourite tennis ball. Rex has become incredibly popular online. He has amassed more than 10,000 followers across various social media channels, alongside his protégé, Lockie, who he will be passing the mantle to. Rex has also been introduced to the Hertfordshire community via information events. He has regularly appeared at fire station open days and countless visits to schools and clubs. His interactions with children, especially those who've had fire in their home, leaving them quite frightened, can be therapeutic. The distraction of stroking him and throwing him a ball can give comfort and reassurance to those affected by traumatic incidents, Nicky added. Rex will stay with Nicky as her pet, and will occasionally appear at more community events, especially if it means getting to f- steal a few sausages from the barbecue, mm-hmm. Hertfordshire Fire Service adds. Nicky said, I'll miss the nice cuddles he gives us at the end of a job, especially if we've been to an upsetting or distressing incident. He's my best mate, and I love him to bits. While it's the end of an era in some ways, I'm so pleased he'll still be around and part of our very special community. And I know that Lockie will carry on doing a great job in his poor steps. Lockie can be found on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, at Hearts Fire Dog. Hello, this is John. Several Hemel Hempstead and Berkhamsted Masters swimmers are celebrating after they made the top ten of world and European rankings. The governing bodies for the World and European Aquatic Masters Swimming recently published the final long and short course swimming rankings for the year. And they highlighted a number of Hemel and Berkhamsted Master Swimmers 
who had made it into the top 10 in their respective age categories, either individually or via relay events. The top billing went to Mike Foskett in the 70 to 74 age group, who was ranked in both the world and European lists. His short course 100 metre backstroke time of 1 minute 17.44 allocated him second place in both world and Europeans, as did his 200 metre backstroke time, which landed him a fifth place placing world ranking and third in Europe. Dave Peary, in the 65 to 69 age group, was placed five times in the European top ten in both long and short course for his breaststroke events. His top finish came in the short course 50 metre breast where he was ranked third in a time of 36.34. In the relay events, Team Hemmel also fared well with the men's 240-plus team of Mark Strakosch, Mark Ayres, Kevin McKenna and Peary being placed 8th in the world rankings and 5th in Europe in the 4x100 medley relay. Lastly, the 240-plus mixed relay squad of Hilary Coulson, Sean MacDonald, Strakosch, Peary and Ayres placed 10th in the Worlds and 2nd in the Europeans in the 4x100 mixed medley relay. Hemmel Hempstead's new state-of-the-art crematorium is being opened to the public. Residents will get a chance to have a first look at the new Hemmel Hempstead crematorium across two open days. An official opening of the new site is still months away, West Hart's Crematorium Joint Committee has confirmed, but people can visit the site on Thursday, August the 3rd and Saturday, August the 5th. It is hoped that the new site will give people living in West Hertfordshire another place where they can say goodbye to their loved ones. It is offering longer service times and greater media choices. Organisers hope a peaceful environment will be created on the site. All residents and interested parties are invited to the venue. Committee members want to display the care and effort that has gone into creating the facility, which has been designed to meet the funeral needs of the community. There will be a guided tour of the entire site and the opportunity to learn about the services provided on the open days. On the Thursday, the open day is from 10am to 4pm, and between 9am and 1pm on Saturday. There is no need to book, but attendees are advised that the last tour of the day will be 3pm on Thursday and 12pm on Saturday. The new site has the following address. Hemel Hempstead Crematorium, off Bedmond Road, Hemel Hempstead, HP3 8LN. And continuing that article, Councillor Robin Bromham said, I'm pleased to announce that the new Hemel Hempstead crematorium on the Bedmond Road will be opening soon. The building architecture incorporates complex shapes with wooden structures to provide a serene and comforting place to say our final farewells to loved ones. The surroundings are landscaped and planted to complement Bunkers Park and Long Dean's Valley beyond. More details can be found on www.westheartscrem.org forward slash new hyphen crematorium. This sister crematorium has been authorised to ease pressure on the main site in West Hertfordshire where at peak times families may have to wait up to three weeks for a funeral. Service times will also be increased from 40 minutes to an hour once the new service is up and running.
Seven new police officers have been welcomed to Hertfordshire Constabulary. The cohort of six, five men and one woman, including an ex-slope patroller from the Hemel Ski Centre, a former falconer and manager from Centre Parks, two engineers, a store assistant, a builder's merchant manager and a retail manager. Family and friends of the seven apprenticeship police officers joined the passing out parade, an event to celebrate newly qualified police officers, to commend their achievement at police headquarters in Wellin Garden City. They were officially welcomed by Assistant Chief Constable Jenna Telfer, uh, presented with framed certificates marking the end of their initial training with other senior officers and trainers in attendance. Assistant Chief Constable Telfer said, It was my pleasure to congratulate our new recruits on their achievement and welcome them to our police family serving the communities of Hertfordshire, helping to make them safer by preventing crime and harm. As they begin their careers, I am sure they will make a positive difference to people throughout the county, upholding the highest standards of policing. For those wanting to become a police officer who do not already have a degree, the apprenticeship is a great opportunity to learn on the job, while making a genuine, positive difference to people from all walks of life. The new recruits have started their policing careers via a debt-free, fully funded degree apprenticeship, which combines on-the-job learning with a competitive salary starting at 29700 and other benefits. The Police Constable Degree Apprenticeship is a three-year work-based practical course which enables apprentices to join as a police officer and achieve a Bachelor of Science degree in professional police practice. The force is inviting applications for the Police Constable Degree Apprenticeship and, and via other routes. Visit www.heartspoliceofficer.co.uk to find out more information and how to apply. Through its Positive Action Scheme, Hertfordshire Constabulary is committed to building relationships with underrepresented groups and encouraging them to join the policing family. For more information and support, visit www.heartspoliceofficer.co.uk backslash diversity. Councillor Sharon Taylor has highlighted the £469,000 that was raised from the auction of County Council artworks at a meeting of the County Council Audit Committee. The money was raised from the sale of 450 of the Council's artworks in a series of three public auctions in 2019. And the funds, it was said, will be used to improve the condition of the remaining artworks and to increase public visibility of the Council's nationally significant sculptures. Last week, we reported that by April 2023, four years after the auction, just over £100,000 of that had been spent. And the County Council said that the monies were ring-fenced and would be used over coming years as required. On Friday, Labour Councillor Sharon Taylor asked for more information on the remaining funds at a meeting of the County Council's Audit Committee. There was £469,000 raised, which was intended to be set aside to improve access to remaining artworks and renovation and conservation of those artworks, she said. I've trawled through the accounts and I can't find it anywhere. I just wanted to know whether that money is still being held on behalf of the people of Harfordshire to improve access to our artworks, or if it's accidentally got absorbed in other budgets somewhere. 
Councillor Taylor told the committee that she'd already written to the Director of Finance, Stephen Pillsworth, who she said had committed to get back to her in writing. But she said it was relevant to the Audit Committee because the money was understood to have been in a ring-fence reserve for a specific purpose. In response, Mr Pillsworth told the meeting that the Council had agreed to sell part of the art collection in 2017. Mr Pilsworth told the committee that the people who had worked on this for the council between 2017 and the 2019 auctions no longer worked for the council. And he told Councillor Taylor that they were tracking back in order to update her as soon as possible. Hertfordshire County Council has formally opposed the government's plans to shut a majority of the train station ticket offices throughout the country. In a statement, the council has said it has serious concerns with the plans to close ticket offices in Hemel Hempstead, Tring and Berkhamsted. Since the Rail Delivery Group, RDG, opened a consultation period on plans to close ticket offices, a number of groups, including disability campaigners, unions and politicians, have questioned the proposals. The County Council has raised concerns about how tickets only available at offices can be purchased in the future to accommodate for people who cannot or would struggle to use a touchscreen. Also, how can passengers seek assistance without offices to visit or whether passengers will feel safe travelling, especially at night? And the County Council felt that the three-week consultation period was too short. The Council believes this meant that the RDG was unable to build an accurate picture of the effect of ticket office closures. Data from the RDG showed that only 12% of customers visiting train stations use ticket offices. Also, officials state that people working in ticket offices will be redeployed to offer customer service from other parts of the station. However, the Shadow Transport Secretary, Louise Haig, said the move was merely a prelude for job losses. Continuing that article, Hertfordshire County Council has asked that if train companies are determined to push ahead with closures, that no ticket offices be closed until measures to simplify ticket purchasing have been put in place and that guarantees are given that staff numbers will be maintained. Councillor Phil Bibby said, The railways play an important role in our communities and economy, and we are clear that any decisions about ticket offices and staffing need to be shaped by our residents and based on a clear understanding of the needs of our communities. We, con we are concerned that the proposed closures will make it harder for some people to take the train. And at a time when we're trying to encourage people to use public transport, this isn't something we can support. A life-saving nasal spray, trialled by officers in decorum, has been rolled out across the county. Three more lives have been saved in recent weeks, thanks to officers carrying a naloxone spray which temporarily reverses the effects of opioids to treat those suffering from suspected drug, drug overdoses. Following a six-month trial in Decorum, Stevenage, Watford and well in Hatfield, the spray was distributed to police across the county and to date six lives have been saved using the fast and effective treatment. The latest incident involved a man outside shops in Hemel Hempstead who was showing signs of a possible drug overdose. In agreement with paramedics, the nasal spray was used and the man was taken to hospital. Earlier, in June, the spray was used on a Hertfordshire woman with a history of drug use. The medication was given to the woman, who was slipping in and out of consciousness, before paramedics arrived to take her to hospital. Another incident involved a man who had taken a deliberate overdose of prescription opiate medication. While talking to officers in Croxley Green, as they waited for an ambulance, he became unresponsive. Naloxone was administered 
and he was taken to hospital. The Quorum Chief Inspector Jason Keane said, In just a few weeks, our officers on our front line have been key in saving the lives of three members of the public. Naloxone is easy to administer and buys vital time before paramedics arrive, as demonstrated, and as demonstrated, can be the difference between life and death. Training is delivered by charity Change, Grow, Live, in partnership with Hertfordshire County Council. Residents are being sought to help drive the Spirit of Volunteer Scheme Support for Decorum. The initiative, led by Community Action Decorum, aims to connect volunteers recruited by the Volunteer Centre with organisations in need of support. However, its true value lies in the meaningful connections formed. Volunteer Sarah explained, I started volunteering to help others, but I've gained so much in return. I've met incredible people I never would have crossed paths with otherwise. Volunteers are making a genuine difference in the lives of their neighbours, whether it's by picking up groceries, providing transportation, or simply offering a friendly chat to older people in the community. Resident Mary described how the scheme has impacted her daily life. She said, Having a volunteer help me with errands once a week has been a total lifesaver. It means everything to know that I haven't been forgotten. By joining together via the many local organisations through the Support for Decorum website and the Roundhouse office in the Marlows, volunteers make the scheme an impactful force. Those interested in making a difference contact the Volunteer Centre on 247209 or email volunteering at communityactiondecorum.org. UK. Residents can also visit the team at the Roundhouse outside Boots in Hemeltown Centre. The office is open Monday to Friday from 10am to 3pm. For those not based in Hemel, outreach sessions are held in Tring on the first Friday of every month and in Berkhamsted on the second Tuesday of every month. A former Hertfordshire police officer who sent inappropriate messages was a sex pest and would have been struck off had he not quit, the force's chief constable said. Chief Constable Charlie Hall detailed in a report published on July the 28th that PC Tom Witherspoon had a worrying pattern of behaviour and will be added to the College of policing's barred list. In one allegation, four female officers had messaged the former constable by text or on social mediator, initiated about other matters and at times by these colleagues. But these messages each time were turned towards sexualised comments by former PC Witherspoon, Chief Constable Hall wrote. His female colleagues have not invited such comments. These have occurred repeatedly across a number of, of females, and he has not recognised that these are obviously not being wanted or reciprocated, given the way colleagues have ignored these or moved to other subjects. It is my view that he has presented himself to them through his messaging as a sex pest. The police chief added there were no mitigating factors to his behaviour, which was driven for his own sexual gratification and could cause considerable damage to public confidence in the police. In another allegation, former PC Witherspoon was accused of three inappropriate touching incidents, including touching his female colleague's bottom. It has clearly resulted in some harm to his colleague, Chief Constable Hall's report reads. She has confided in others and been visibly shocked and upset. It adds, 
He has in interview tried to play down any sexual element of touching, suggesting it was just fun and frivolity. I disagree. His whole behaviour underlines a sexual motive to his behaviour. The report details the chief constable considered personal mitigation and studied his service record. There are no factors within this that influence my decision on sanction, he said. PC Witherspoon also punched a man in the head while on duty in St Albans. The male was resisting arrest, but there were sufficient officers present with former PC Witherspoon to be able to handle the situation without significant difficulty. The report notes he substantially overreacted and that he chose to punch the male in the head in a way he would have known from his training was not encouraged. In mitigation, the chief constable wrote, I acknowledge this concern, this occurred in a public order setting where other officers needed assistance. The punch was a single episode, but this does not mean it was not disproportionate. The police chief also considered PC Witherspoon was sent a video containing extreme pornography, which he did not delete. His inaction in reporting was a breach of of force policies but there is no evidence he shared the video more widely. Summing up, the Chief Constable wrote, Taken together, these four incidents describe a worrying pattern of behaviour from this former officer. He has shown no respect for colleagues or the public alike, and a disregard for the standards of professional behaviour expected of him both on or off duty. He added, he has shown himself to be a predatory sex pest and had he not already resigned, then I would have had no hesitation otherwise. I do now require his name to be added to the College of Policing Bard List such that there is no future prospect of him ever being re-employed within policing. Chief Constable Hall concluded by thanking officers for coming forward, reporting and calling out former PC Witherspoon's actions. This is not easy to do for officers so young in service, but it is exactly what I would hope and expect to see, he wrote. Leading County Councillor Eric Buckmaster has defended Hertfordshire's decision to ban non-county residents from its recycling centres after this was branded silly. Hertfordshire County Council took the decision to restrict access to its 16 recycling sites in March in response to estimates that one in five users had travelled in from elsewhere. And it said that Neighbouring authorities who wish to maintain access for their residents who need to make a reciprocal arrangement with the council. Last month, the county's move was reported to have been branded regrettable at a meeting of Cambridge County Council's Environment and Green Investment Committee. But at a meeting of Hertfordshire County Council, Councillor Buckmaster said it was unfair for Hertfordshire residents to subsidise those from other areas. He highlighted data that suggested that around half of all users of the county's recycling centre in Royston, 47.6%, travelled from over the Cambridgeshire border. But just 12.2% of those using Cambridgeshire's Threplow site, he said, had travelled in the other direction from Hertfordshire. Pointing to that imbalance, he told councillors, This difference in use is why Cambridgeshire is considering to agree a payment to Harvardshire to comply for the increased cost. It faced from an imbalance. Cambridgeshire is also planning to conduct its own research about who uses its sites from neighbouring areas. As a reminder, we estimate that we have a net import of around 20% of material from neighbouring authorities.
There's a strong argument to be had that the country is already gearing itself up for an election, and the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak already appears to have found one of his key battlegrounds, motorists' rights. There are nearly 40 million of us in the UK after all. At the weekend, he said he was ordering a review of low-traffic neighbourhoods, LTNs, in England, which are zones in towns and cities such as London, Birmingham, Bristol and Bournemouth, where people are encouraged to walk, cycle or use public transport. This is done through the use of barriers such as bollards and industrial-sized plant pots, as well as road signs and CCTV cameras. On announcing the review, which was perfectly timed to dominate the headlines on Sunday, typically the quietest day of the weekly news calendar, the PM said, I just want to make sure people know that I'm on their side in supporting them to use their cars to do all the things that matter to them. The reality is that he sees an opportunity where he might just be able to appeal to a significant chunk of the electorate after a pretty catastrophic year for the Conservatives, during which time two Prime Ministers were forced from office and their national support crumbled. The surprise result from the Uxbridge by-election, when the Tories retained the seat of vacated by ex-Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who was was down to a protest by local voters, who were opposed to the expansion of the controversial ultra-low emission zone, or ULEZ, where vehicles that don't meet a certain environmental standards are charged to enter parts of the London region. Even the Labour leader, Sakir Starmer, is getting in on the act by urging London's mayor to rethink the expansion. While I'm certainly not an eco-warrior, This is a dangerous game to play, especially when you consider that it was only last week that scientists were telling us that this July was set to be the world's hottest month on record. I know it's a difficult argument to land when places like Preston experienced three times the average rainfall last month, but you can't escape the fact that global temperatures are changing. While there's a very noisy section of society who will tell you that global warming is cobblers, they tend to be the usual suspects who have very little time for any view they consider to be mainstream. You know the sort. The Facebook ranters who will tell anyone who hasn't muted them that it's all part of a global conspiracy to make us walk everywhere and only eat pulses and yoghurt. I love driving, but I love the planet more and I'm genuinely terrified that those who would seek to lead us would rather put short-term electoral gain over attempts to reverse a dire situation that is unfolding before our very eyes. It's going to be a long 12 months. This year has been challenging for most with the prices of everyday essentials constantly surging from food to energy bills. As the grip on our wallets and purses continues to tighten, the Competitions and Market Authority, CMA, announcement that supermarkets have been overcharging drivers for fuel amid a a lack of competition is particularly infuriating. Supermarket petrol stations, including Asda, Tesco, Sainsbury's and Morrison's, have been found to have raised their fuel margins by 6p per litre between 2019 and 2022. This has resulted in drivers across the country paying a combined total of almost £1 billion extra to fuel their vehicles. According to the new report by the CMA, the price of diesel has cost drivers an extra 13p per litre during the first five months of 2023 for the same reason. ASDA was also fined 60000 by the CMA for failing to provide information relevant to the investigation in a timely manner. A spokesman for ASDA said that the fine 
was relating to two individual alleged technical breaches in relation to the way in which information was shared. The spokesman also said the store engaged fulsomely with the inquiry. Watchdog Chief Executive Sarah Cardell said, Competition at the pump is not working as well as it should be, and something needs to change swiftly to address this. Drivers buying fuel at supermarkets in 2022 have paid around 6p per litre more than they would have done otherwise due to the four major supermarkets increasing their margins. This will have had a greater impact on vulnerable people, particularly those in areas with less choice of fuel stations. We need to reignite competition among fuel retailers. Leading County Councillor Maurice Bright said he would back calls to ban single-use vapes. Pointing to environmental health concerns, the local government association, LGA, has already called on the government to ban the sale of single-use vapes by 2024. And at a meeting of the County Council, Councillor Bright, Executive Member for Public Health and Community Safety, said he agreed with their approach. Councillor Bright has already written to the Secretary of State for Health, Steve Barclay, to call for vapes to be sold in the same way as cigarettes. And at the meeting, he stressed to councillors that vapes should be a tool to help people stop smoking rather than becoming the alco-pops of the 21st century. He was invited to back the LGA approach in response to a question by Labour councillor Asif Khan, which he did. Now we come to the information slot, with the obituaries, what's on, and any more news. The obituaries on the family announcement page this week are William Mayo, known as Bill or Billy, 78 years, Alan Osborne, 94 years. May they both rest in peace. We are delighted to announce that the British Wireless for the Blind Fund membership area goes live at the start of August 2023. This will revolutionise the way in which we can provide accurate, timely and relevant listening data for all local talking newspapers, where listeners are using the Talking Newspaper app on iOS and Android devices as well as allowing us to support these users better. The membership areas will request all users to register themselves and sign in, which will then give access to the Talking Newspaper app, as well as all the other apps BWBF provide. To ensure that the transition to the membership area is as smooth as possible for the listener, the existing Talking Newspaper app will continue for a short period before it is eventually taken down at the end of September 2023. This will be replaced with a new speech Talking Newspaper app that will be launched at the start of August 2023, which will include the new membership area. We will update further once this hits App Store and Play Store. Both apps will run at the, at the same, the brand new Speech TN app, which will require registration to the membership area and sign it to use the app, as well as the old TN app, which will eventually be stopped. Extensive testing has been conducted to ensure that this is accessible as possible. Users will primarily use their device to add their details, register and then sign in. However, a dedicated web page which can be found at bwbf.org.uk forward slash membership forward slash register forward slash 
can also be used by anyone supporting the user to complete the registration for them. All the user then needs is to do is then sign in once on their device. The new Speech TN app will still have the simple layout we know the users find so supportive, along with the ability for the user to control the app with their voice. A new favourites feature that has been added allows users to save their favourite newspapers. Finally, the unique command to say speech off, taking the user back to the much-loved simplicity of the gesture mode. We are ready to help any users that will need technical support. They can call us on 01622 754 757 option 5 or me email suresh at uk to talk them through this transition. For further information, visit our website updates blind.org.uk forward slash apps hyphen skills forward slash. Finally, over the next few months as we begin to collect this new data, we will be adding this to our WebStat page, which all TNs have access to through their login to the upload service. Please bear with us as we work to provide this output. We hope this work will be done at the early part of quarter four, 2023. Hello, I'm Catherine. Now, how does your cup of coffee make you feel? I've got some questions for you here and some stats. So coffee is much more than a mere pick-me-up. It really does possess the power to shape our emotions. 50% of adults credit coffee with significantly influencing their emotional state. 70% of younger adults... Oh, hang on. For younger adults, the figures rise to an astonishing 70%. One in three people say their morning cup of coffee is the best moment of their day. 27% simply can't start their day without a perfect cup. Now, we have some stats before coffee and after coffee. See if you agree. Before coffee, respondents felt, and this is 29% thought they were tired, 11% grumpy, 9% irritable. After a cup of coffee, the respondents said, 23% felt relaxed, 21% felt focused, and 20% felt energised. So... 29% of regular coffee drinkers consider themselves enthusiasts, happy to explore the complex tastes of different varieties, whereas one in two remain loyal to a specific brand. And now for what's on. Theatre. Peter Pan, a musical adventure. The Auburn Arena, St Albans, August 12th and 13th. Youth Theatre Group Brilliant Theatre presents J.M. Barry's timeless tale of the boy who refused to grow up, albeit reborn in a steampunk-inspired spectacle. Visit alban-arena.co.uk to book. Festival. Hemel Beer and Music Festival, Gatebridge Park, Hemel Hempstead, August the 5th and 6th. Enjoy live music and delicious drinks at this family-friendly festival. There'll be a tribute acts to Fleetwood Mac, The Rolling Stones, Maroon 5, Little Mix, Bob Marley, The Killers and The Police, along with the DJ. The organisers have teamed up with Hemel Hempstead-based brewery Mad Squirrel to bring the beers with plenty of bars and street food traders to keep guests well-fed and watered throughout. There are activities for children too, such as face painting, glitter art and sand art. The festival runs from midday to 9pm on Saturday and midday to 8pm on the Sunday. Visit eventbrite.org.
eventbrite.com. That's B-R-I-T-E, eventbrite.com to book. The code, uppercase letters, PRESS40, entitles visitors to 40% off the ticket price. Theatre. Matilda Jr., the musical court theatre, Tring, August 2nd to 5. Tring Youth Players Project presents the hit musical based on Roald Dahl's story about a little girl with astonishing wit, intelligence and psychokinetic powers and adventures in school. Visit courttheatre.co.uk to book. Theatre. The Railway Children. Roman Theatre, St Albans, July 14th to August 20th. The happy lives of siblings Phyllis, Peter and Bobby are suddenly thrown into disarray when their father is taken away and they're forced to move from their home in London to a cottage in rural Yorkshire with their mother. The children make friends with the genial railway porter, Mr Perks, and embark on a magical journey of discovery, friendship and adventure. But the mystery of father's disappearance occupies much of their thoughts. They soon discover that their new friend and his wife, Mrs Perks, might be able to help them unlock the mystery. Visit ovo.org.uk to book. Family. Charity Family Fun Day, Greenacres, August the 6th. Enjoy live music, a barbecue, a tombola, an auction, a raffle and more. There's a five-mile sponsored walk too. The event is in aid of Cancer Research UK. Call 079 477 517 54 for more information. Tony Bennett at the London Palladium. BBC Sessions, BBC Two, 9 o'clock on Saturday. Although he was 96 years of age and had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2016, it somehow still came as a shock when it was announced last month that Tony Bennett had died. Perhaps it's because he's always been there, providing a soundtrack for our lives via his performances of classic songs. Now in tribute to the man born Anthony Dominic Benedito, in New York in August 1926, BBC 2's evening schedule is dedicated entirely to him. It begins with Tony Bennett at the London Palladium, a chance to hear him perform at his own 85th birthday concert. This Saturday on BBC One at 10.20pm is the film When Harry Met Sally, which first came out in 1989. Director Rob Reiner, writer Nora Ephron and stars Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan are all at the top of their games in this wonderful romantic comedy. Harry and Sally first meet as recent college graduates who share the drive from Chicago to New York and fail to hit it off. After a couple of more chance encounters, they become friends in their 30s when they are both recent, recently out of relationships. But will they take a chance on being more than just mates? The I'll Have What She's Having scene became an instant classic, but this film has plenty more memorable quotes, some of them supplied by Carrie Fisher, who is on fine form as Sally's best friend. Excitement is brewing for the Hemel Hempstead Beer and Music Festival. The family-friendly event is being held in Great Bridge Park on Saturday, August the 5th and 6th from 12pm to 8pm. As well as the best beer in town, courtesy of Hemel-based brewery Mad Squirrel, the festival will be hosting live tribute bands with something for the whole family. Guests can enjoy the live DJ, along with tribute acts of Fleetwood Mac, the Rolling Stones, the Rolling Clones, Maroons, Five, Little Mix, Bob Marley, The Killers and The Police, to name a few. 
Along with the beer and music, there will be plenty of bars and street food traders to keep guests well-fed and watered throughout. Naturally, there will be a beer marquee with a wide range of car scales, lagers, wine, ciders, spirits, mixers and soft drinks available. The food lineup includes a variety of traders serving everything from barbecue fare, Mexican street food and pizza, to curry, gourmet mac and cheese, fish and chips and waffles. Not to be forgotten, entertainment is provided for the youngsters, including face painting, glitter art and sand art, while free festival body art and a festival magician aim to dazzle every kind of crowd, whether big or little. Tickets are £1 for children and £25 for adults. Children must under 18 must be accompanied by an adult. Tickets are available from Eventbrite, the bright is spelled B-R-I-T-E, eventbrite.com slash E slash Hemel hyphen beer hyphen and hyphen music hyphen festival hyphen 2023 hyphen tickets hyphen 60388758317. This week in history. August the 3rd, 1977, Tandy Corporation released the TRS-80, one of the first personal computers available to the consumer market. On this day last year, Dev Patel reportedly tried to break up a fight during which a man was stabbed in the chest. August the 4th, 1978, Jeremy Thorpe, a former leader of the Liberal Party, was charged with conspiracy to murder Mr. Norman Scott. He was later cleared. August the 5th, 1926. Houdini, famous escapologist and magician, survived for one and a half hours in a bronze coffin in a hotel swimming pool in Los Angeles. On this day last year, the Princess Royal told participants of the Royal Edinburgh Military Tattoo that she was hugely grateful to those who had risen to the challenge of performing in the annual event. August the 6th, 1962. Jamaica gained independence after being a British colony for more than 300 years. On this day last year, Irish boy band Westlife performed their greatest hits to a packed Wembley Stadium. August the 7th, 1981. The Washington Star published its final edition after 128 years of publication. On this day last year, one lucky lotto ticket holder won £20 million. August the 8th, 1940, the Battle of Britain began. The wait is over and the Women's World Cup is in full swing in Australia and New Zealand with 32 nations competing on the international stage to lift the coveted trophy. The competition has seen four past champions, the USA who have won the competition four times and are current champions, Germany who have won the cup twice, and Japan and Norway with one World Cup each. But could another name be added to the role of honour this year? The current trophy was designed in 1998 for the 1999 tournament and takes the form of a spiral band enclosing a football at the top that aims to capture the athleticism, dynamism and elegance of international women's football. Attendances at World Cups has been up and down since the inaugural 1991 tournament. In 1991 in China, total attendance was 510,000. In 1995 in Sweden, it was 112,213. In 1999 in the United States, it was 1,214,209. And then in 2003, again in the United States, 
it was 679,664. In 2007 in China, it was 1,190,971. In 2011 in Germany, it was 845,751. In 2015 in Canada, it was 1,353,506. And in 2019 in France, it was 1,300,000. I'll read that again. In 2019 in France, it was 1,000,000. 131,312. Top goal scorers in the World Cup are, for Brazil, Marta with 17 goals, Germany, Birgit Prince with 14 goals, and also for the United States, Abby Wambach with 14 goals. And finally, for the United States, Michelle Akers with 12 goals. A brother and sister from Hemel Hempstead are taking the world of wakeboarding by storm. Both Samuel and Summer Bradbury from Gaybridge represent Team GB at youth level in the water sport. Samuel, 15, achieved the ultimate accomplishment at that level when he became the under-18 world champion. The Laureate Academy student now hopes to join the professional ranks next year as he continues his ascension on the water. Summer, 12, who attends the John F. Kennedy Catholic School, is no slouch either. She recently finished fourth in the under-14 category. Both are set for an exciting summer travelling across mainland Europe, competing in international competition. Next up for the gifted youngsters is a full-time training camp in Lithuania, where they will get an extended chance to hone their craft and perfect their onboard skills. Not only is this school break the perfect time for the Hemel prospects to put the schoolwork to one side, it is also the period when the most tournaments are on. They will both be competing against the UK's best young boarders in the UK National Wake Park Championships next month. Samuel turned to wakeboarding as he and his father, John, felt he needed a break from football six years ago. He was a promising junior, but... The heightened atmosphere at high-level youth football had put the pair off, as other parents were often taking things a little too seriously. Samuel splits his time training between Box End Park in Bedford and Liquid Leisure in Windsor. His preferred style of the sport is cable wakeboarding, in which riders use a cable tow and perform tricks over obstacles or features at a specially designed wake park. John calls Summer a natural. Her background in gymnastics and trampolining gave her the perfect base for a sport which relies heavily on balance and agility. Another exciting trip in the brother and sister diary is a journey to Budapest for the European Championships in late August. Both are set to compete, sorry, both are set to complete their schooling in Hertfordshire and assess their options from there as wakeboarding remains a part-time sport. Even international athletes do not receive central funding from the government. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 5.26 and 8.45. With access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk If you wish to listen on Alexa, say Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply Play the decorum talking newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music, there is the amenities section that gives details of various groups and the contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly. 
turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor and Mike, your technician for this week. Goodbye.